to kick off a new series entitled, What Do You Value? What do you value? That's the a, that's a series. That's what we're going to be talking about uh, this month. And, and I know um, for those that have joined us that are here physically, uh, those that are uh, tuning in online, we know that you have uh, a place in your heart um, that you, you desire to, to know the Lord more and more. And that's why you're here today. That's why you're tuning in. Uh, for our brothers and sisters that are, that are uh, watching online that are, are not here because you're uh, you're sick. We're praying for you. Uh, we're praying for a speedy recovery that you would uh, make your way back here. We're believing God for you um, just to get back here and, and, and worship with us. So uh, what do you value? That's the, um, the topic that we're going to be spending some time on uh, this month. And I was reading a, a survey from the Barna Group as we, as we get into this, and it showed that by far the top priority listed by adults, named by half the population, 51%, was their family. The question of what do you value? Most people put their family, and as a runner-up was faith in the runner-up category, and asking what people value. Now, something interesting about this survey, uh, and, and it goes on to say that the relationship between people's perception of their religious commitment, all right, their perception, right? Mostly everyone, if you would ask anyone, you know, man on the street, you would ask, uh, People, what, what's your commitment to the Lord? Yeah, I, I, I value my commitment to the Lord. I'm committed to God. Mostly everyone would say that. So the relationship between people's perception of their religious commitment and their reservation to make faith their top priority points to a significant disconnect. Now let me go on. I'm going to read a little bit more. Here's what the author said of this, this survey. Spirituality is in vogue in our society today, he commented. It is popular to claim to be part of a faith community. Again, people will claim, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I, I value the Lord and what he's doing in my life, I value that. It's popular to claim to be part of a faith community or to have a spiritual commitment. But what do Americans mean when they claim to be spiritual? The recent Grammy Awards were perhaps indicative of this breakdown. Now the Grammy Awards, as we know, are the awards for, for music um, in the music realm. Uh, the recent Grammy Awards were perhaps indicative of this breakdown between self-perception and reality. Again, people thinking, yeah, I'm committed to the Lord. I value the Lord versus do they really, okay? The members of the group that won the award for best song, thank God for the victory, then immediately followed with profanities that had to be bleeped from the broadcast. It seems as if God is in, but living for God is not. It seems as if, as if God is in, but living for God is not. Now, see, people in this world will claim to, to value the Lord, will claim to value the things that, that he's done in Jesus and the sacrifice that, he, that he's made. And, and, and it's popular, you know, for, for many because of their roots to proclaim, hey, I thank God for this award, I thank God for this. And then, as this article says, they go on to, to just speak profanities and go on to the after party and to the club and, and just to live a life according to what they want. What do people really value? People say they value God's word and God's ways, but their actions say something else. What do you value? I thank God that I could come and that we could come to a church that speaks the truth. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. We could come to a church to a place where we can 
hear the truth of God's word because the Bible says in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We need to hear God's word, God's truth. And this month we're gonna be uh, tackling that question, what do you value? Now the series scripture is 1 Timothy 4, 8. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. 1 Timothy 4, 8, that one uh, scripture there. And out of the NIV, the Bible says this, 1 Timothy 4, 8. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Physical training is of some value, and, and, and you don't have to look far. You see gym memberships. You see people there at, at all hours of the night at the gym and, and, and working out and, and their physique and what are they posting and all these things, right? People hold that as valuable, and we see that. They, they'll, pay, they'll pay for trainers. They'll pay money for this, and, and people have put such a value on, on physical well-being and, and health, and there's a place for that, I understand. But what about the spiritual treasures, the spiritual truth? Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So I want to share a message uh, this evening as we kick off this series on what do you value. And tonight's message is to value the work. Value the work. We'll focus on valuing the work that God has done in our life. Valuing the work. Now, I was thinking back here, um, I don't know if anyone remembers, and I'm going to date myself a little bit, but there was an old series back in the day when I was a kid. It was called Fraggle Rock. And I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was a children's TV show back in the day. I won't tell you the year, but it was created by, by Jim Henson, the, the creator of the Muppets. And there are a lot of characters in this, in this, this show, uh, Fraggle Rock, but there were a couple in particular, and there was one of, of, of these people, they were called the Doozers. And uh, there's a picture up there, as you can see, these, these cute little green guys. And the Doozers, they were all about the work. They spent their life building this little, these little contraptions made out of like just this, this transparent material. And they were, they were into building scaffolding. That was their thing. They would just build and build and build and build. They were always building. Those were the Doozers. And then there were the Fraggles, okay, the Fraggle Rock. There were the Fraggles, and they would, the Fraggles would come and destroy what the Doozers had built. The Fraggles would actually eat their, their structure. They would eat these things that the Doozers built. So then they would eat, the Fraggles would eat it, so the Doozers would get back to work. The Fraggles would come and destroy it, the Doozers would get back to work. They were all about the work. And I think sometimes that's how it is in life. If we're not careful, we can lose the value of what we've spent so many years building. What God has, has, has done in our life, what we've built up through the years, and, and your life is a work in progress. We talked about this on, on uh, this past Sunday, that your life is a work in progress. God is doing something beautiful and special in your life. He's building something. And in all areas and aspects of your life, he's building. God is into building. He was a carpenter, wasn't he? It's not by accident that, that Jesus was a carpenter. So he was in, he's into building, and, and sometimes if we're not careful, we can lose the value of the work that God's doing in our life. And just like these fraggles did, they came, and there was a structure was built, and they just wanted to eat and consume, and they destroyed what the doozers did. See, the storms of life can try to wear us away 
and wear away what we value. We see it all around us. You know, I know there are loved ones that, you know, we're praying that would come back into the kingdom of God. For whatever reason, life, life got hard, tragedies or circumstances transpired, and, and, it, and it, it took them out of, out of the kingdom. It took them out, and, and we pray that God would bring them back. We pray that they would return and let God to continue to build their life. So value the work. That's what we're going to be focusing on tonight. And the first thing I want to look at is that we have to be thankful for what he's done in our life. Be thankful. Say thankful with me. How many are thankful for what God's done in your life? Thank you, Jesus. Now, I said we're a work in progress. I know we're, you know, by, we're not perfect by any means, but God's brought us such a long way. We have to be thankful for what he's done. And I know we're not content where we are. I know we want God to do more. I know we have more in our life that, that we want God to change. But we have to be thankful for what he's done in your life. What he's given you. What he's entrusted us with. Goodness. The family he's entrusted us with, the, the relationships he's entrusted us with, the, the job he's entrusted us with, the, the children that he's entrusted us with. Husband, the wives that he's entrusted you with, wives, vice versa. Thank you, Jesus. We're thankful for that. We have to be thankful for what God's done in your life. And if we're going to value the work, it's going to start with, be, with being thankful for the work that he's done and he is doing in our life. Now there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Praise God, I want to read Ephesians 2, verse 4. This scripture says so much, and we're going to look into it. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. The Bible says, but God is so rich in mercy. Thank you, Jesus. That's, that's enough to be thankful for right there. God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now look at verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Do we understand that? And I pray the Holy Spirit brings revelation. Under this scripture right here is so deep. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Just think about where you are tonight. I know we live in the physical, right? We, we're, we have to go to work. We do these things that are physical. We have to be responsible. We have to, to do what God's called us to do. But there is so much that is unseen that we're blessed to be a part of. You're believing God for, for physical healing. There's a promise for you in the word of God, again, which we touched on Sunday, that, that by his stripes we are healed. There are, there are physical needs that you may have. You may have material needs. There are spiritual promises for you. He, he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And this is all possible because of why? Because of Christ Jesus and we're one with him because we've accepted, accepted him. He raised us from the dead. That's powerful enough right there. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven shouting victory. Thank you, Jesus. You remember that song? So God, in verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. Thank you, Jesus. He's kind towards us and shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace. Amen. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It wasn't our works, right? 
It wasn't our good works or the amount of works that, that, you, that you and I accomplished. No, it was, it was the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. Thank you, Jesus. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we, can't, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Man, that scripture is so powerful. We have so much to be thankful for at church. We have to be thankful for what he's done in our lives. Never forget. I know you and I have a lot more to be done, right? God's molding us. He's the potter, right? The Bible tells us that. We're the clay. We still have lumps and bumps and things he's trying to work out. But we're on the potter's wheel and he's working on us. With humility, you can look in the mirror and say, God, I thank you for what you created me to be. I thank you for the promise that, that you've given me. I know you're not done with me, but God, I thank for, I'm thankful for what you've given me, what you've entrusted me with. We have to be thankful, church. Be thankful. Studies have consistently found that gratitude and positive emotions, listen to this, benefit physical health. You want to talk physically? Being thankful, having, having a demeanor, a posture of gratitude and thankfulness in your life can contribute to physical health. It's just the way you see things, the way you, you perceive things. And, and, and coping, it could also help individuals deal with daily stressors. And how many know we have that? We got stress, right? We got things come up throughout the day, daily stressors. Stress is the culprit of so many health issues, yet the simple act of feeling thankful can help combat it. Thank you, Jesus. Be thankful. Always be thankful. Be thankful for the good times. Be thankful for the difficulties because he's working something out beautiful in your life. Be thankful for the struggles. Be thankful for the trials. Be thankful for, for the unknown. Be thankful for the, the times of testing and temptation and trial. Be thankful because God is victorious on your behalf. And because he's victorious, you and I can be victorious. Thank you, Jesus. We're victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. One commentator said this. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This may be understood in another sense. Sinners roll themselves in the dust, but sanctified souls sit in heavenly places, are raised above the world. The world is as nothing to them. That should be us, church, compared with what it, is, what it has been and compared with what the other world is. Saints are not only Christ's free men, but they are assessors with him. By the assistance of his grace, they have ascended with him above this world to converse with another and they live in constant expectation of it. Thank you, Jesus. We have so much to look forward to, church. So much to look forward to. So much to be thankful for. You don't have to look far to be thankful. Next time you're feeling down and out, the next time you're feeling discontent, sometimes we get there, can you say amen? Man, God, why hasn't this happened? Why am I here? Why am I, what, what's going on in my life? God, why, haven't, why hasn't this happened? We ask all these questions in our lives, but the next time we do that, be thankful for something. Be thankful for the relationships that God's given you in your life. Be thankful for those things. Protect them. We're gonna talk about that in a moment. Value them. Be thankful for your marriage, husbands and wives. Be thankful for your children. Be thankful for your ministry. Be thankful for your health. Be thankful for the breath in your lungs. Be thankful for, for the struggles, for the trials, because God's working in your life. Be 
thankful, value the work, and it starts with being thankful. You gotta be thankful, church. I have to be thankful each and every day. We're talking about valuing the work, so it starts with being thankful. The next thing when it comes to valuing the work, we have to understand that what you value, you will invest in. What you value, you will invest in. Matthew chapter 13, let's turn there. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. Matthew 13, 45. <clears throat> the Bible says this. Matthew 13, 45. Again, Jesus says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything and he bought it. Sold everything and he bought it. Everything else in his life compared to this great pearl, to this pearl of great value, was less, was of no value, nothing compared to, to the value of this pearl of great value. So he sold everything he owned and he bought it. See, believer, this is the value that we have to place on what God's done in our life. You have to value it. You know why? Because it didn't happen for no reason. It didn't happen for free. Now the gift of salvation is free to you and I, but why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price for you and I. He suffered the death of a sinner so that you and I could be here in peace of mind in the spirit of God and join worship and join the, the, the relationship that we have in Christ. It didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen for free. It's free to you and I. But there was a price that was paid. Value it. You know, and I was thinking about this scripture. I was taken back to... Goodness, maybe 20 plus years ago, and, and, and we would occasionally have those services, and it was, it was a hallelujah service. It was a service where, 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 where new converts and people would come, and, and they would physically bring the, the old idols and the things that they were bound up in, and they would come on stage, and, and you would see them just, just break these things in front of God's people in the house of God. They would destroy these idols, destroy these things. I mean, there was all kinds. If I could tell you all the things we've seen, those of you that were there back in the day, the things that we saw can you say amen goodness man oh man little did I know who you were the things that you brought but it was because of the the, the relationship that, that God was doing in your life the things that that you no longer wanted to be a part of so you destroyed them thank you Jesus you valued you valued everything that God has done in your life people bringing uh, 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 album collections musical collections of secular music people bringing uh, uh, some different types of paraphernalia that they they just destroyed and they wanted to get rid of and, and just cast it out because they valued all the things that God had done in their life we can never lose sight of that church Compared to Christ, compared to the work he's doing in our life, everything should be second. He's Lord of, of lords and king, king of kings, right? King of kings, right? Now, some may be tempted to call him king of kings, but they don't want to call him Lord because there are certain things in our lives sometimes that we don't want to submit to him. 
that we don't want to relinquish power of, but he is Lord of lords and King of kings. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Those who would have a saving interest in Christ must be willing to part with all for him. Leave all to follow him. Whatever stands in opposition to Christ or in competition with him for our love and service, we must cheerfully quit it. Though ever so dear to us, a man may buy gold too dear, but not this pearl of great price. Compared to Christ, there's nothing better. And if I could say this, and just a reminder of, of, of how I was raised in the Lord, how the things, the, the priorities that, that God bestowed upon me in my life through the examples that God placed in my life many, many years ago, even having the priority of, of, of church attendance. Let's talk about that for a minute. Now, I think as years have passed, sometimes we could be tempted to... to to just put that priority on the shelf and we start to, to believe and say that, oh, well, well it's grace and, and the priority doesn't have to be there so much. God knows if I miss and this comes up, it's okay. God forgives me. God's a graceful God and he is a graceful God. But you know why I'm here today? Because of the priorities that I had set in my life from way back and th those things have never changed. They never change, and it's no, it's no glory to me, not at all, because there's no place for me to glory in that, but God has placed examples in my life from way back, and the examples that he placed in my life, I've done my best to try to pattern my life after that, and because of that, thank you, Jesus, we're here today, and I know, I know you're here today because of that, too. So when the enemy tries to come and tempt you and to, to try to, 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 to tell you that, that the priority, yes, of even, even church attendance is no longer as important. Go ahead, you can miss a day here. You deserve it. You can miss a day there. And I know things come up, and God's grace is there. But is it the exception? Should be the exception, not the rule. Keep a priority in assembling with the saints. Hebrews, Hebrews 10.25 says that. Don't forsake the assembling of the saints as a manner of some is. We have to keep that as a priority. Don't let anything get in the way of, of your ministry, of, of, of being here at church, being faithful to what God's called you to be. Keep it a priority. And God will keep you. God will help you. What you value, you will invest in. What you value, you will make an investment of time and resources. Listen to this. And this was a, a survey back in 2019, so it's a couple years old, but it says on, on an average day in 2019, nearly everyone age 15 and older, 95%, engage in some sort of leisure activity, such as watching TV, socializing, or exercising, okay? Men spent more time in leisure activities than did women. I have to, I gotta check on that. Just kidding. <laughs> Men spent more, listen to this, men spent more time in leisure activities, 5.5 hours, than did women, 4.9 hours, okay? Uh, watching TV was the leisure activity that occur, uh, occupied the most time, accounting for just uh, over half of all leisure time on average. Men spent three hours per day watching TV, goodness, all right? Men spent three hours per day watching TV, and while women spent 2.6 hours. So talk about leisure, right? What you make investment of in your time shows what you value. There's a time and place for everything I understand. There's a time for leisure and recharging your batteries. But 
There's a time to place importance on what God's given us. What you value, you will invest in, yes, even your time. So let me ask you this. What do you spend your time doing throughout the day? In your off time, what do you spend your time doing? Look at your life. Look at how you spend your time. It will show you what you value. Look at how God valued us. Look at what it made him do. John 3, 16, God, loved, God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Because he loved you and I so much, he sacrificed his very best. Goodness, can you imagine? His one and only son who he loved, he sacrificed him. And we think about the story of, of, of Abraham and Isaac, how God told him to sacrifice his son. You know, reading that story at first, you're like, God, you're, you're, God, you're crazy. How could you ask someone to do that? God didn't ask Abraham something that he didn't do himself. See, God loved us so much that he sacrificed his son. He valued you and I so much that he sacrificed his son. It shows us the value that he places on us in the same way what we spend our time doing shows us the value of the things that we place in our life. Matthew 16, 25, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus says, you will save it. So what you value, you will invest in. We're talking about valuing the work, the things that God's done in our life. And lastly, what you value, you will protect. What you value, you will protect. You know what this is about, right? You value things in your house. When you leave, you lock the door. You value your possessions and the things that you have you, to get different types of insurances. We value our house, so we have health insurance. We value you know, our possessions, so we get different types of, of insurances. It's no, it's, it's no surprise. So what you value, you will protect. Now, there's a story of Joseph... Back, way back in the book of Genesis, and we understand this, the story of Joseph. He was a man of God, and, and he was betrayed by his brothers, and, and he was sold into slavery, and, and, and they, told, they told his dad, the brothers told their dad that, that Joseph was killed, and they sold him into slavery. They, they lied about that, and he went off to Egypt, and he was sold as a slave, and he was imprisoned. He did nothing wrong, but he was betrayed by the very people that were supposed to protect him and look out for him. And over the span of time, he did his best to keep his, his integrity. Wherever he was at, in his master's house, he, he, he served with excellence. He had an, a, an attitude of excellence. And, and his, his master uh, was named Potiphar. And we know the story that Potiphar was, was, was a man of power, of authority, and, and Potiphar's wife was there as well. And, and the Bible goes on to say that over the span of time, Potiphar's wife began to, to be, be fond of Joseph, who was a young man handsome young man. He was just, he was serving God in integrity. He was serving his master, Potiphar. He was just doing what God had called him to do. And over the span of time, Potiphar's wife began to, to, to come on to him, to try to, to, to get him to, to sin with her. And she tried once, it didn't work. She tried twice, it didn't work. And she continued to try day after day. And there was one time in Genesis 39, 12, the Bible says she came and she grabbed him by his cloak. She, she grabbed Joseph by his cloak, by his garment, demanding, come on and sleep with me, she said. What did Joseph do? 
Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. See, in this passage, he goes on to say, how can I commit this great wickedness in the sight of God? That's what what his reply was to her. See, many times we're tempted to do different things, and we're tempted with, with different types of temptations based on who you are. But Joseph so valued the relationship that he had with God, he valued his integrity that he ran out of her sight. If she was going to try to hold him by the cloak, he's like, I don't care. I'm going to run. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of of this uh, tempted environment. And he left his cloak in her hand. And we know the story. She goes on and lies about him. And then he's jailed. And and God vindicates him at, at the end of all things. But he valued and he protected his integrity. Where are you going? Do you value your testimony? You value the example that God's working in your life, being an example, light of this, a light to this dark world. What places do you go to? Do the places that you go to, the places that you visit, the things you talk about, does it raise question in other people's lives about who you are? I thought they went to church. I thought that person was a Christian. What are they doing there? Why are they talking about this? Why are they joking about this? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you find yourself that you're, that you're starting to, to slowly get into areas and arenas that you know you have no business being, do as Joseph did. Turn around and get out of there and run. If you're starting to, thank you, Jesus. If you're starting to entangle yourself in relationships that, that, that you know are going to lead you away from God and cause you to sin, do as Joseph did. Turn around and flee. Don't be apologetic about it. Joseph didn't say, oh, I don't want to offend you, you know, uh, Mrs. Potiphar. I'm just going to get out of here. No, he just turned around and he left without apology because he valued what God was doing in his life. We have to value and we have to protect the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Ephesians 4.30, as we prepare to close. Ephesians 4.30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our seal. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts you. Be obedient to it. The Holy Spirit uh, guides us and tells us to do something. Let's be obedient to that. Don't do anything that will grieve the Holy Spirit, for it is by that that we are sealed. And as we prepare to close, the worship team can make their way up. We understand that what we value, we will protect. Ephesians chapter 6. We're talking about protection, protecting our spirit, protecting our life, protecting what God is doing in our life. The Bible says this in Ephesians 6.10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not your power, not my power, not my strength, not my ability or the lack thereof. But be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. How many know the devil has strategies laid out against us? Can you say amen? He's trying to trip you up. He knows, he knows your buttons. He, he's our ancient adversary. He knows the things that, that tempt you. He knows the things that will get your attention. He knows that. He's, he's trying to lay out strategies for you and I to trip us up. 
But we'll be able to stand, the Bible says, stand firm against all the strategies of the devil in verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, against authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in, in the heavenly places. Therefore, what does that mean? Therefore, because of this, because of the truth that, that, that Paul just stated here, because of all these evil spirits and the mighty powers in this dark world, because of that, listen in verse 13, it says, because of that, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And goodness, that's a whole message. That's a whole series in and of itself, the armor of God, the whole armor of God. The belt of truth, right, holds all things together. Sometimes we, we want the helmet of salvation, we want the benefits of salvation, but we don't want to live by truth, do we sometimes? Because it's not the easiest thing to do. Sometimes we want to lie on our taxes, or sometimes we, we want to just, just you know, tell a little white lie because it's, we, we think it's going to get us further in this world. The belt of truth holds all things together. The breastplate of righteousness, right? Again, we want the helmet of salvation. We want to be saved. We want to go to heaven, yes. But what about the breastplate of righteousness? What about righteousness in our lives? Sometimes people want to leave that on the shelf. They don't want to talk about righteousness. They want to talk about purity. Because why? Sometimes, according to the flesh, it feels better to, feels good to sin, right? To the flesh, sin feels good. It's a momentary pleasure. What about righteousness? Do you value that in your life? If you value it, then protect it. You value what God's doing in your life? Protect your testimony. Don't put yourself places where people question your integrity, who you are. Oh, God knows me. God knows my heart. Yeah, that, that's true. You're called to be a light in this dark world. You're called to be a testimony. We have enough bad testimonies in this world. We have enough bad examples. Just look on the internet. We have, we have enough bad examples in this world, but God is looking for faithful men and women who will stand for righteousness. Remember, what you value, you'll be thankful for. What you value, you'll invest in. What you value, you'll protect. I just want to read the series scripture one more time. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Thank you, Jesus. Physical training, the gym has its place. It's going to help me you know, be healthy, but, but what about when I, when I pass away? It's not going to get me to heaven. It's not, it's not going to get me spiritual riches. Jesus Christ is going to do that in my life. Godliness, godliness. So tonight, we thank God for what he's doing in our life. We thank God for the work he's doing in our life. And this month, let, let the Lord minister to our hearts that we would value the things that he value, values, the things that he places value on. And I believe God will bless us, God will help us to become all that he wants us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads tonight, church, as we pray. God is good in this place.